This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we look for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Clint, and I'm here with my good friend and pastor, Oren, and also my good friend, Zach. <laughs> oh, man, you one up me. You got yeah. it, man. Well, I mean, we always we always introduce Oren as our pastor, or you always introduce Oren as your pastor, and uh, he's much more than that. He's a friend. and, uh, <laughs> and just, a, I'm just a and pastor. A, and a confidant. <laughs> Cue the Golden Girls music. Boom. Yeah. I will say, I will say it's, it sounded like you had a pretty good radio voice. There yeah. Well, nice. People always say I have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so Z- Zach is joining us remotely uh, today. Oren and I are here uh, at the church recording. Um, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 125 today. Um, and we, do we want to read it first or do the overview, Zach? Yeah, yeah, you read it. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so Psalm 125, a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. The mountains surround Jerusalem and the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous so that the righteous will not apply their hands to injustice. Do what is good, Lord, to the good, to those whose hearts are upright. But as for those who turn aside their crooked ways, the Lord will banish them with the evildoers. Peace be with Israel. So, Oren, what, what, what's your overview there? So, um, it's clear here that Israel is, uh, what, whether they're singing this song as they're going up the hill or away from right. the temple after they've worshipped, and they could have been singing this at other times as well, but but they're obviously thinking on and focus on and probably have experienced some kind of evil or wickedness that's come against them. And we've seen that the last couple of Psalms we've looked at, they face some, some, some hardships of some sort. Last week's Psalm, it was attributed to David. This one's not attributed to anybody. So we don't know when this took place, mm-hmm. but obviously they've seen God's hand of protection and, um, and goodness toward them to protect them from evil taking root in their land. And so their prayer was that wickedness or the scepter of wickedness, as they say here, would not ever rule over them, but only God's good, righteous rule. And so Mm. it's God's grace and God's mercy that's come to them to deliver them from evil so they would not be overtaken by that evil to serve whatever pagan foreign masters that were knocking on their door. Now, of course, we know this does happen. Assyria, Babylon, Rome, everybody kind of had a time where they get to rule over Israel. But in this part, in this point in their history, they recognize that whatever enemy they had has been defeated and that righteousness rules in the land because God is righteous toward his people. And so this is a song and a prayer, really. The verse 4 and 5 are a prayer to God, not to um, necessarily, it's not necessarily directed at the evil ones, but it's directed to God for their own good, to be patient and waiting on the Lord's rule to take root in in the land, um, to push evil out and to let good reign. So that's kind of a basic uh, overview of the prayer song that's being sung here by the uh, by the pilgrims. It's interesting to me the identification of the pe- the psalmist with Mount Zion yep. in verses one in, in verses one where it says it cannot be shaken mm-hmm. because. If you read the Old Testament and study uh, the history of God's people, um, their their identity was shaken mm-hmm. often. Often, right? Yes, yeah. You mentioned the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and then later the Romans. They were a people who, for much of their history, were subjects to other people, and so 
um, to me, that stood out that this identification with a place, um, whereas the mountain was always there, mm-hmm. even if the, 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 their own, their autonomy wasn't right. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that out. Cause that was one of the first things that hit me in this Psalm. Of course it's the first verse. So yeah, that kind of makes sense. Right. Um, uh, but this idea of, so if I consider myself the trust in the Lord, then this psalm tells me uh, I cannot be moved, and I abide forever. Um, and if I look at my life, even today, this past week, you know, whatever instance I take and I want to examine for my life, um, there are many instances where I have been moved, meaning that like I've been shaken, I've been... I haven't always been a stalwart in the faith. I haven't been this uh, impeccable defense of the faith, but oftentimes it can be shaky. Um, It can be, you know, um, I can be tossed to and fro. Um, And so, like, that immediately calls to mind, like, man, what's going on there? If, If this is what I'm supposed to be like and this is true of me, what's going on there? Which immediately helps me to see, Christ, like the law, which I would consider that first verse as being a law. This is what I should be doing. I'm not doing it. That it helps me to get to my need for Jesus, um, because Jesus is immovable. You know, I think of um, one of the images that comes in the New Testament for me in light of this is in John 14, where Jesus describes himself as the vine and us as being the branches, mm-hmm. and that. Um, the works that we produce are a direct result of abiding mm-hmm. in him. And so Jesus was immovable. He was faithful. He was steadfast on my part. Mm-hmm. And so whenever that is true of me, it's because I'm abiding in him. He has done it. I look to him. And because of the nourish, the uh, spiritual nourishment I get from abiding, from looking, however you want to describe it, um, it comes from him. Mm-hmm. I am immovable. I abide forever because Jesus did those things for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause ver- verse two jumps right into first one compares those who trust in the Lord to Mount Zion. Mm-hmm. And then verse two says that the Lord surrounds his people like, mountains, yeah. like the, like, like mountains. Yeah. So there's this, there's this mystery in how the identity that God places on his people is his own identity. They're identified with him, and it's that identity is not shaken by things like Zach pointed out. Mm-hmm. The weakness of your faith. Right. The inability to perfectly obey the law. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. The, the God is faithful despite the unfaithfulness of his people, and he, he reserves a remnant. Yep. There's always faithfulness there because God is faithful. They would never not his people. Right. right. Absolutely. Right. Be- yeah. Despite, despite their own, um, shortcomings mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, it, uh, and that permanence I, I, there. I love the language you're using of, of the, the this people being identified mm-hmm. with God. It, it, you saying that reminds me of uh, some language Paul uses in Colossians. Mm-hmm. I think it's chapter three verses um, three, chapter three, verse three, something like that, where he describes our lives as being hidden 
yeah. in Christ. Hidden with Christ in um, God, yeah. 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 So and, just what you said was calling to mind that. Yeah, so, so mountains just geographically created a kind of protection and an obstacle for enemies to get to you. Mm. It was hard to get to the nations that had mountains sort of protecting them, whereas if you were in valleys and lowlands, you were easier to invade and to, uh, to conquer. And so the people are looking at God's blessing throughout their history, knowing that they had been unfaithful, like, like Clint said earlier, but they were always blessed by God. In fact, if you think about the relationship they had with God, a lot of it had to do with the fact that, and God tells them this, if you are faithful to me, I will bless you. If you rebel, if you disobey me, I will curse you. There were, there were always consequences to disobedience and sin, but there was also blessing that came with righteousness. And so what they're praying for here is that God's protection of them, God's guarding of them, would lead them to righteousness and not to wickedness, that hmm. they would not choose to live like the nations around them, the the the, the pagans who, who also had gods, but they were wicked and evil nations, that they would live by God's command, by God's law, to prove or to show their righteousness, their trust in God. And that's really the, the key word here um, is, is the word trust. Those who trust in the Lord, those who have faith in God, will do good, as verse 4 says. They will live righteously um, because we know God is protecting us. God is guarding his people. God is watching over us. So that frees us then to seek righteousness in our lives and not seek you know, self-exaltation or to sort of uh, self-preservation type type ways in which people live, we can live, as Zach said, as you said earlier, Zach, uh, live faithful, do the things that you know are right and good to do because God is, is guarding his people as we do those things. One of the lines that just came to mind as you were saying that was the line that Jesus says in the uh, Lord's Prayer, to lead me not into temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very real uh, prayer we can we can ask of God and to know that when we're not led into temptation, that it's, it's him doing it. Because I think another thing we get from this Psalm is that if the Lord left the world as it was, there would be no righteous people. Mm. If the Lord didn't intervene, if he didn't act, uh, people aren't good within and within and of themselves. Um, he must act. He must help. And he does. Right. Yeah. If he, if if he doesn't remove the scepter of the wicked or banish the uh, those who turn aside, then they those will those people will win. In other words, because that was that when we were having that discussion before about verse three, the even the righteous would apply their hands to injustice mm-hmm. if God did not act mm-hmm. to remove injustice from the from among us. Mm-hmm. But th- doesn't that echo Paul's words about how the law, the law opens our eyes to see how much we need God, essentially? Like, when you read the law, you go, oh, man, I got a problem. That, that, that should be your response exactly. to the law. Well, it, should it, sh- be, right, it shouldn't right, right. be, oh, I, oh, I got this. I got this. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you should read the law, and once you get through it all, you go, okay, should, yeah. what do I do now? How can I do this? Yeah, you know? Zach, Zach and I talk about that all the time as Sunday school teachers is, is – especially with the gospel project and how we just, we go through the the old Testament, the Bible in order Mm -hmm. and we go through the old Testament and we're like, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be too hard on the Israelites. We should see them, them ourselves in them Mm -hmm. and our propensity to do these things. And then all, but also like it should just leave us 
like wanting resolution, craving, yeah, yeah craving, craving resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, and so I think and Jesus I, is that resolution. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this Psalm is, is sort of a, is sort of a already not yet. Mm-hmm. As you said, there is something happened with the people where they, and I, and I look back on the history of, of, of the Israelite people. And I don't see a lot of instances in which this, at least any sort of long-term, uh, in any long-term sense was the, was the case. Right. You can point to like good Kings mm-hmm. and, and, and good judges and, and, and all these other things. But for the most part, their history, this is not the case. Yeah. There was always a scepter of the wicked ruling over them. Mm-hmm. And so in some sense, they've, um, they're singing this song on the way to the temple, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for a high holy day. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a song of hope mm-hmm. that, Someday, this will be a physical reality as much as it is a spiritual reality yeah. for the people singing it. They, they're not singing lies. They're singing hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. That calls to mind um, one of my favorite verses in Revelation 21.5 where Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. Mm. And so regardless of when I look out on the world, regardless of how I perceive it to be, whether I think, oh, things are going well, or, oh, things are going really bad, I don't have to worry about um, like how big of a part I need to play in it. I can be faithful where God has called me and the vocation that he's called me in, and I can trust that regardless of what it looks like, he is making all things new, mm-hmm. and he's using small acts of faithfulness to do it. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of what I feel like, he's making all things new. He's doing the work. I can trust in him. And he's, he's helped. He's letting me play a part in it. And I think one of the chief proofs of that is if we just get really micro is how God has taken, has removed the scepter of the wickedness in my own heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so you, so, you want something else besides that. Yeah. 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 So he has done this in me mm-hmm. and he's done this in billions of other people. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, the only people who are left will be the people who have had the scepter of wickedness removed from their hearts yeah. and had the evil, had the propensity to turn away, re- removed from their hearts. Yeah. The darkness has, uh, you've been removed from the darkness into a light so you can see now yeah. what is, verse 4, what is good. And that, that's a, that's a, a much um, misunderstood word in our culture. Everybody thinks they know what good is. And I mm-hmm. think the standard here is God. Or in in the case of the, of the New Testament church is Christ. He is good. So when the psalmist says, "Do good, O Lord, to those who are good," I believe it's those who are seeking to align their lives with Jesus. Yeah. And those who do not, as Romans one says, will be led to their ultimate destiny because of the path they've chosen, right? Which was wickedness. And so the worshipers understand that the expectation is for them to seek good, but the only hope for them to ever sort of achieve that or accomplish that is in faith with in faith to God and not in their own ways. And so we have to know what good is in order to do good. And that is found ultimately in, in Christ. So we see Christ, we know what good is. We can do those things. And Zach, as you mentioned a couple of times now, we don't have to worry about the end results. God will take care of that. We've done our part along the way to do the good that God saved us to do in this world in a very simple ways, whether it's at home or at work or at our churches or driving on the crazy traffic in Baton Rouge or whatever it is, we seek to do good by what Christ has defined for us. 
and in that God is God is glorified. And as the very last line says, peace be upon Israel, peace will be in our lives and in our churches and homes. Excellent. Anything else, Zach? Nope. All right. And so uh, in the meantime, Lord, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus. Amen.